out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make sense. Hi everyone. Today I talked to my friend Fiona. We became friends about five years ago when she asked me to be one of her responsibility partners while she was working an intense program on a process addiction. When I asked her to come for a chat, she immediately agreed, but warned me that her concept of a higher power is fuzzy and that she does not actually know for herself what form it takes. That intrigued me even more, because I find her to live a beautifully connected and committed life. I am excited to find more about her journey. Let's get to it then. Hello Fiona, how are you doing? Hi Freddie, I'm very well. I'm very glad to hear that. And you? I'm actually quite cool today. Good. Yeah, I'm having a good day. I'm all excited. Um, some good things are happening today. The podcast is going live. <laughs> I wrote a blog for that, so that's nice as well. Yeah. So that's all cool. Thank you so, so, so much for coming through. It's I realised that you came all the way from Cape Town to just do this. I really appreciate it. At least we scored a nice lunch out of it. That was delicious. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite good, wasn't yes, it? Yes, very, very good. I'm really glad we're going to, we went to check out that place. Fiona, tell me... I've known you now for what, five years, six years? About that, yeah. Somewhere around there. Yeah. And you've changed a lot over the years. Have I? You you really (laughs) have. I remember one of the first times that you and I had a one-on-one chat when we went for coffee. And you were so anxious. Oh, yes. That I kind of, I felt anxious because I absorbed your your anxiety. It Mm. was such a weird thing. And it was so weird because you were this lovely, wonderful person, but you were, Mm. but that's strange. Yeah, gosh, I really, really struggled with that in early recovery. Yeah, I mean, I I still get anxious, but I know I'm I'm on medication for it now, and it's just very slowly, and it has taken a long time to get better, but it is, you know, always on a monthly, yearly basis, it's getting more and more manageable. But yeah, God, I remember. And do you remember when you asked me to come and share? (laughs) I was in pieces. And you said very codependently you were anxious on my behalf. I remember that. Yeah. I saw the first day that you did a television interview for Sober and Sexy. I was, oh my God, I can't believe you did this. (laughs) I still can't believe you did it. What did it feel like? First of all, when they asked you to, to come and do the interview, what went through your head? Uh, oh my god, I'm going to fuck it up. I won't be able to get any words out. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, they're going to find out I'm a fraud. <laughs> um, but then I, I just got in there and, and just my mind went blank and she was very professional and asked the right sort of questions that I felt comfortable in asking. And, you know, the, the answers were relatively at the front of my brain. I didn't have to dig around too much. Um, and I did it in one take, I remember. Are you serious? I didn't realise that, you know, if I screwed up, that they could just delete and yeah. and everything. I did it in one take. So that shows the improvement, <laughs> I think. Wow. Talk about professional. Yeah. And did they do any kind of, are you nervous, don't be nervous? Yes, yes I mean, yes. I think the worst thing, if somebody tells you don't be anxious, is, it is your first thing, oh, yeah. why are you saying that? <laughs> is there something reason to, reason to yeah. be nervous about? yeah. And then you've done another one after that again. I've done a few. I've done um, 
Yeah, I've 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 done a, a radio. I can't remember which radio station was it. Cape Talk. I can't remember. Anyway, I've done a radio interview, done a couple of TV interviews, and done you know with the exhibitions, did did some speeches and some public speaking. Um, been asked to do a few different events. So yeah, that's all helped and pushed me out of my comfort zone to get over my anxiety. It's my milestone share tonight, and you know I'm still. Thank you. <laughs> and I still always get anxious, and that I'm going to come across as being daft, and you know I have these great plans to be profound and witty, and none of that happens. But it doesn't matter. I've made peace that whatever I say was meant to be said. I say a little prayer beforehand to try and you know to to make sense to everyone, and I'm just a little bit more relaxed about it, and I don't beat myself up as much anymore. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. I'm, I I am much improved, thankfully. It's amazing. It yeah. really is. Who do you pray to? I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. It, it is a higher. You know, I do have a higher power, but I haven't really defined what that is yet. I want a. You know, it's it's not like the universe, and I, I want I want some a higher power I can communicate with, and that can communicate back to me. Sometimes I get a sense of of being communicated to, but mainly it's. Um, It, it, it's I recognize my higher power through my gut. You know, if I'm asking for uh, advice or on a on a decision I need to make, and then I, then I get an instinctual kind of gut uh, feeling, and I try and go with that. And I, I and you know, if I go against that, and maybe I want to act out and do something a bit naughty, uh, and I and I don't listen to my gut, I usually end up screwing up. But if I go with that gut instinct and listen to it, I can make peace with whatever happens, even if it's not my will. It's usually my higher power's will. And uh, I do get a sense of serenity from that, even if it's not what I want. Yeah. Um, so that's, I don't really feel that my higher power speaks to me in words. Although sometimes I've had little conversations in my head and I'm not sure it's just me talking to myself <laughs> or maybe me, I'm just imagining it. Me. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm still, you know, coming from being from, from being a, a hardened atheist before coming into recovery. So I think, you know, a few years down the line, I, I, don't, I don't think I need to define my high power. I don't think that's the point. Um, I just need to put some trust and faith that there, there is something bigger than myself keeping me sober and therefore can care for my life that's awesome yeah and it's six years now it's yes tuesday tuesday six tuesday years six on the years. 19th of september yeah that's amazing thank you it really is yes so you went through rehab that's how you got to south africa yes tell us a little bit about the journey to get here to get to south africa if you don't mind <laughs> well, going back to active addiction Yeah. No. Even before active addiction, um, you, you grew up in the UK. No, no, I um, I was born in Ireland. Okay. In uh, raised in a, a county, County Wexford, and brought up on a farm, cattle farm. You're a farm girl. Well, yeah. And she doesn't eat any meat anymore. <laughs> bad, bad farm girl. Bad farm girl. <laughs> yeah. Brought up in in the middle of bumfuck nowhere, um, <laughs> Southern Ireland, and with a Catholic father and a Protestant mother, and they had a deal between them that any girls would be brought up Protestant, like my mother and any boys would be brought up Catholic. I'm the eldest of three girls, so we all brought up Protestant. But uh, schools were, uh, there wasn't really, a, a, there wasn't a Protestant school near us, so we went sent to a Catholic school. So much for the deal. <laughs> yeah, well, no, still raised Protestant, I guess, but... Um, But yeah, I was bullied by a teacher there and and singled out, and which turned out to be because of my religion. Oh my word! 
So yeah, I, I, uh, my mother found out when I was pulling my hair out uh, in clumps and taken to a child psychiatrist and they said, uh, I think you need to remove her from the school. So without, very, without other options, my mother homeschooled us okay. uh, for two years before we came to the UK. And How old were you then? Uh, six, okay. six to eight. So I didn't really have many friends. I mean, we had a beautiful playground in the farm and the land and the gardens and everything. It was beautiful. I spent a lot of time playing outdoors. But um, yeah, I think I only had one friend, Ashling. I remember we just connected on Facebook. It's a small world. Um, <laughs> and yes, playing uh, playing outdoors a lot, wild, you know, uh, wild imagination, and you know, ways of escaping started starting to kick in there. And there was a form form of self harm that came at that early age. And and yeah, and I think I think uh, combination of factors. I think there's there's fifty percent nurture, fifty percent nature as to why I ended up uh, being an addict. Um, me on moving moving to the UK, and there were boys at the school, and I got obsessed with boys at a, at the early age of eight. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that ends as it turns out. It, it's my love addiction is my primary addiction, and and yeah, I mean you know just just any method I could find of of escaping my reality. I remember being very unhappy as a child. I was a very 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 unhappy, angry teenager, and the minute that I came across drink and drugs, I was I took to it like a duck to water. I can't um, picture you an angry teenager. Oh, I was so angry. Are you serious? Yeah. Screaming I, matches with mom and No, it, it was all it was all slamming doors and sulking. I I was always hated confrontation. So oh. it's just a lot of stamping feet, clo- slamming doors and and um, and internalizing the rest. In, internalizing. What is it they say that depression is anger turned inwards? And yeah. uh, when I heard that that really rang true for me. Because um, I, I, you know, in my teens, I was diagnosed with depression, um, and then in the, again, another reason for, or another excuse for my using, was self-medicating. Well, you would use and drink if you felt them, as depressed yeah. as I did. Uh, obviously, now looking back, it was it was uh, it, it exacerbated the depression a hundredfold. But um, yeah, and then I mean, I just it was just a steady decline into into harder drugs. Uh, the drinking was constant, and then the the toxic, abusive relationships with men who were addicts as well. Okay. Um, sick attracts sick, as I've come to understand. And then, yeah, yeah, I mean, my adult life has been miserable in active addiction. Utterly depressed, isolated, lonely. And I think it's the loneliness that has always been prevalent from very young, as in not having many friends. It, growing up in Ireland and then finding it difficult to connect with kids my own age when I moved to the UK and then it was the drink and drugs that made me feel connected even though it was a lie yeah. it was false that's you know why I, I I chased that so much it was you know I wanted I deeply wanted to be connected and I never felt connected so yeah and that's it just what worked you know it went from bad to worse and then yeah, it was. It was ultimately there was one drug that brought me to my knees very, very fast, and then um, yeah, I, I finally admitted that I needed help, and then ended up in rehab in uh, South Africa. In South Africa. How did that happen? Um, well, I went to. A, I was sent to a, a rehab, very expensive rehab in the UK, that my my aunt had had, had very kindly paid for and I ran away after four days. Are you serious? <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I wasn't ready. 
and and on and the RFT refuse no what, uh, yeah refu- refuse hospital RHT, RHT. hospital treatment yeah and on the on the f- I, I wasn't ready and I thought I was in there for a four day detox and then they told me I was in there for twenty eight days and I wasn't happy about that and then on the fourth day they gave me the wrong medication for my withdrawals and I had I had an incredible withdrawal slash panic attack and I said fuck this I'm leaving and I literally ran out the door and then my mother came and picked me up two days later and said you who are you kidding you still need help and they said and you know I went to go and see uh, a referral agent okay. and they said well look if you if you don't want this you know if you want to try somewhere different why don't you try in South Africa and uh, you know I it's a lot cheaper and I think my mother thought well if she ran away where's she going to run away yeah. to if I was in South <laughs> Africa so it's a bit safer so yeah that, that happened that was December 2010 okay remember it very clearly fantastic so christmas in rio mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that was miserable <laughs> but at least i was clean yeah, I, I know what that feels like yeah i actually enjoyed it i hate christmas <laughs> yeah so not having to be part of all that that stuff yeah suited me perfectly yeah. you mentioned love addiction yes you do SLA. I do SLA. I, you, I used to do the the the, the love, love addicts meeting closed down, and I took all the preambles and all the and the kit, and I, I reopened it up in southern suburbs near to be near the treatment centres. Okay. And I set it up, and then it's just it's just running very well now. Oh, fantastic! I just handed it over because I was very coda to begin with. Everything had to be just so, and then I just took a step back and said, right, I'm going to let it let it run wild, let run wild, <laughs> let it carry on and it doesn't yeah. you know it's 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 fine i don't need to to control it um so yeah, i go to sla um, it's quite an exercise in trust i yeah. suppose to hand over a meeting that one started yes right? yes to accept that i'm not it i'm not the meeting yeah this took thing, me a while this, yeah, <laughs> I'll take a step back. no <laughs> that it's going to collapse and they're all going to get it wrong i'm so i'm very coda like that <laughs> no one can do it as well as I can. Yeah. Have you ever attended Coda meetings? Yes. Is it? Yes. I am very Coda. I don't like the meetings. I, I've not met. I haven't met one Coda person who said they enjoy Coda meetings. Yeah. yeah. But you, I can. I deal with my Coda through my love addiction and working the steps in general. Love addiction and Coda are very closely. I think linked. all addicts have something. Oh, show me an addict who isn't codependent. Yeah. yeah. No, definitely. I think that could. We can just throw that as, as part of part and parcel of the, yeah. of the whole package. Yeah. Tell me. Okay, so you came to South Africa. So that was in 2010. We're mm. now in September 2017, and you're still here. Mm-hmm. What made that happen? I never really. I don't. Th- well, in the early years, I, I never actually said, "Right, I'm going to make this my new home." It was just, "Okay, I'm going to stay a few more months," because uh, I, I, you know, when I left treatment, I had counsellors. I was going to meetings. I had other therapies that were going on um, that were would have been very expensive in the UK, and uh, you know, just because I had got clean uh, didn't mean. I mean, even then, I knew that I still needed a lot of work. So, yeah, I just ended up, you know, getting, just staying from month to month, saying, okay, I'm going to stay a little longer. And I'm not quite sure at what point I decided, right, I'm going to make this my home. Um, it just happened. And, you know, I, 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 the thought of going back to the UK filled me with horror because of lots of triggers. Uh, it's still lots of resentment towards my family and all my friends back in the UK I, and friends in inverted commas were using friends um, and I didn't know wh- how I was going to survive in the UK. So that was, it wasn't just that 
uh, Cape Town was a clean slate for me. It was just I didn't know I didn't want to go back to the UK. And then, yeah, I think maybe three years down the line, I kind of said, oh, I think I actually want to stay here for good. You're like a one-night stand gone wrong. Yes. <laughs> gone right, I think. <laughs> okay, next morning you can go now. Yeah. Seven years later, you oh my God, you're still here. Yeah. <laughs> so you grew up religiously. I was actually. I was very religious as a child. I prayed a lot. And then I've heard this a lot in, in recovery that, you know, I felt forsaken when I started... You know, especially in my teens, I was so unhappy, uh, frustrated, angry at the world. You know, I thought, oh, how can there be a God if, if A, if there's so much suffering in the world, but B, mainly, if I'm suffering so much, how can there be a God? And so I kind of went the other way, and you know, I just, I became an atheist. Okay. And coming into treatment, and mm. you read the steps? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I... Um, I I was kicking and screaming about the whole God word um, and right, scribbling in, in the AA big book. This is nonsense. Um, <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, seriously. I look back and my you know I, I look back and do some readings and there's, there's still scribbles saying this is bollocks. <laughs> um, I love the notes in my material yes, to see how I where I was yes, 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 years ago. Yes, and then I mean I didn't get it first time round. I was I was five months clean and still in in rehab. Well, I was in, in in a tertiary facility, and the cravings were just overwhelming. And and in tertiary you have a lot more freedom. I just the the, the cravings just overwhelmed me, and I ran down the road and sank fifteen vodkas. Oh my word! Yeah, and ran back and fell asleep. <laughs> um, and uh, I didn't tell I anyone. That, I don't think that was falling asleep. That was passing out. No, that was passing out. You're right. <laughs> But I didn't. I didn't tell anyone because I was going to get in trouble. I was going to get um, kicked out, so I kept it to myself. But that was the first <clears> of <throat> a series of nights that I. So they didn't catch you. No, no, no. Oh wow! I went to boarding school. I know how to get away with things. <laughs> <laughs> you've learned the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. art of. Oh wow! But yeah, and then, and then I moved into a, a sober house with some other people I knew from from rehab and. Um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't start drinking every day. It was like once every two weeks, and then one, then it got down to once every week. Then it was every few days, and then about uh, after four months of this, because I was in complete denial about the alcohol, I was going to prove to myself and the world that I could drink successfully. I knew oh. I, did, I knew I had a drug problem, but not the alcohol. Anyway, the alcohol. I, I did the research. I found out alcohol was one of the main problems, and it always leads to drugs and acting out and waking up in strangers' houses and blackouts. And then I remembered. I don't remember how I got back to my bedroom one morning I woke straight I woke up and sat straight bolt right up in bed and that was my first proper step one is right I'm fucked oh, wow. I'm powerless I can't do this on my own I need help and I went I put myself back into treatment and that was so that was the first day back in treatment was the 19th of September okay. 2011 that's why that's why my my clean date is not the same as, as my, my when okay. I came to South Africa yeah cool and I remember when I went into treatment my brother visited me and he said to me, okay, so you're in treatment now. Yes, I am. So I said, um, I've read the 12 steps. The word God appears there quite a lot. Yeah. So what are you going to do about that? And I just remember saying that it says of your understanding. Yeah. I, I clung to those words with my whole life mm. because my life depended on it. Mm. And I'm so glad that I managed to see that the value in just those few yeah. words made such sense. So, got recovery, stayed in Cape Town, started working 12-step programs, doing meetings and doing all, all those type of things. 
How do you feel you have changed since then? Was there a spiritual awakening yeah. as promised in, in Step 12? Yeah. And if so, what was it like? My spiritual awakening has been of the educational variety, as the big work describes it. It's been little aha instances. But the, the, when I made that proper first step, step one, surrender, is also when I decided that I had to give the whole higher power concept a go because I didn't want to die and I didn't want to be a dry drunk and I wanted what the people I I had heard, seen in meetings had the most serenity, other ones who talked about a relationship and a connection with a higher power and that's what I wanted so I was prepared then to give it a go. And it's been an evolution uh, over time where I was definitely faking it till I make it for a long while but I, what I did is I started praying and I didn't know what I was praying to, I didn't understand what prayer should look like but um, initially it was just to take away my cravings and after a couple of months of, crave, uh, of this praying for the cravings to, and obsession to be removed the obsession and cravings were lifted oh, wow. um, so that was the first sort of instance of okay there is something going on here and Something's I, I don't quite understand it but I don't know if I need to understand it I'm just going to keep plugging away awesome. and I haven't craved since that point wow. so in, the, in, the... in six years the need, the obsession to use has been lifted. It has been lifted, It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. It's amazing that it yeah. can happen. I know. So there, there is definitely something there, and, and sometimes I feel, again, forsaken, as I've struggled a lot, as, in, as you've known, as you've witnessed, the anxiety and depression was pretty bad in early recovery. But I didn't crave. I, stu- I stuck to the program. I prayed. I did all the suggested things, and I got through it without craving, and I think that in itself is another miracle. And I think then when when I started to heal with the, the anxiety and depression, which took several years, then I started to see some of the AA promises being realized. Um, and that was another spiritual waking for me, hearing the promises in a meeting and ticking pretty much all of those. Mm. And then I, I you know, because then I realized it's, it's mostly in retrospect, I think, well, actually, okay, I have been feeling like this for a while and I hadn't even checked in with myself. And so to hear those promises, and sometimes I struggle with one or two of them, and then, you know, I'm not perfectly there all the time. Uh, and I can't, sorry, I can't remember them all off by heart, but things like uh, fear of insecure, financial insecurity <laughs> and all the rest of that, and fear of, fear of people as yeah. well. Um, I, step nine promises. I remember when I joined SIA. Yes. How the people jokingly forced me to read the promises because I kept on saying this is bullshit. Yeah. This is absolute yeah, crap. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is not happening. I didn't believe it could it's happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So it was it, that it, it was a joke in the meetings. Freddie has to read the promise the promises because, um, <laughs> to prove to him that it can happen. Yeah. I I thought that was for other people and I thought yes I I totally understand where you're coming from. It was awful. And now, and then, and also, you have the the char- you have the uh, characteristics and promises in SLA as well. And uh, to begin with, I used to raise the, in in SLA meetings. They people raise their hands when people relate to what has been said. Yes. And uh, to begin with, I was raising my hands to pretty much all of the characteristics and none of the promises. And now it's the other way round. My sponsor taught me to. Uh, you know, you don't need to raise your hand for the characteristics anymore. If just for the day you don't relate to them, don't raise your hand. So I don't. But now I can raise my hand to all of the pro- SLA promises. So if we're going to know if new, yeah. So just briefly, step nine promises. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. 
I can relate to that. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. I can relate to that. We will compre comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. Yes. I really wish this took me a long time, but I, I do now. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. And Absolutely. That's, that's yeah. with my sponsees. And also sharing the treatment centres, which I really enjoy. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. That I don't know. I can't pinpoint when the self-pity disappeared, but there was a hell of a lot of it going on in early recovery. I remember mine quite well. Yeah. It was my second step seven. Yeah. I think that was the first real character defect that mm. I could say, that has gone. Mm -hmm. I, I just suddenly realized that it doesn't serve me in any way. Mm. It just really screws me up. Mm -hmm. It just fucks me up completely. If I if I entertain that, there's mm. a spiral that starts and mm -hmm. leads to some really, really bad stuff. Yeah. So that's the one I remember quite well. Yes. And then we will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. I'm still quite selfish. I'm, no, yeah. I'm not perfect. I but I really do, well. you know, particularly with, with service in, in a fellowship. I... If I'm feeling all uh, self-absorbed, um, to get out of my head doing service, uh, seeing a sponsee, getting in touch with someone, you know, just yeah. just get out of my head and be a, be be helpful, be useful. Jakub yeah. Proof read my book the other day, and he said, mm. "You say yeah, that service doesn't come naturally to you, but you do so much of it." Yes. So it, yeah, it doesn't come naturally, but I, I need to do it yes. because this, that's what we do. Yes. So I do it, but it doesn't come naturally. My first instinct is always there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then you just kind of put your ego aside and you do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Yeah, I mean, that, I suppose totally that's, so. that's a spiritual awakening, isn't it? I mean, I used to think the whole world was against me. Uh, nobody understood me. Poor me, poor me. I'm the only one who's who's going through this shit. I'm so lonely, you know, and now, you know, I really feel part of, and I get it when people are, who are full of enthusiasm and, and, and who are happy, joyous and free, and I, and, I, and I want that, and I can relate to it now, whereas before I couldn't relate to it. Yeah. I thought it's for other people and never, ever feel that joy and contentedness. It fascinates me how many people in recovery you know and know you. Yeah. I mean, to think that isolation and loneliness was a problem for you, and now it's kind of, wow. <laughs> it's really quite yeah. quite weird. You can't believe it. No, and this is another thing that I feel so blessed about the Cape Town recovery community, is it, it's it's very tight, and because the, the uh, most meetings I go to, I know, I, I at least know some people there. Yeah. Uh, when I was back in London recently trying to sort out my visa, yeah, you know, I mean, it's London is so big, and then you know, you know, obviously, I didn't know many people there, but it's not the sense of community that we have here. Did you feel like a complete newcomer? Uh, not a newcomer. It was, it was just like that was the first time I went back to London in, in six and a half years. Yeah. So it was, it was just quite an odd experience. But, but at the same time, it was very reassuring to know that I could plug into the fellowship there, and it's the same message wherever I go. So I could still feel, even though that I was quite new coming back to London I didn't know many people um, I still felt part of so yeah. that's that's a huge blessing when I moved to Somerset West and I went to my first meeting I knew no I knew one guy from seeing him in the meetings mm. in Cape Town but I didn't know him to speak to him and that whole meeting I went I need to say something I need to say something I feel so out of place I need to just open my mouth and get it out I couldn't 
that during the break, I actually went to buy a book so that I can at least talk to the person who's, who sells the book so that I can leave and le- at least say, I spoke to somebody oh, in the meeting. Yes. Freaky. And yes. I ended up sponsoring the guy who bought the book eventually. And, um, oh, amazing. Yeah, and he's doing so amazingly amazingly well. But he was my anchor for that meeting. He was my, my belief that I at least spoke to somebody in that meeting. Mm. I felt so out of sorts. Mm. And I knew I was welcome. I mean, it was... It was all me. It was all my own stuff that I was carrying. Mm. So yeah. it's freaky. Yeah. So other spiritual things that happen to you. One of them is your new eating pattern. Tell yes. me about, about, a bit about that. Yeah, this is, it, it came about very suddenly. I rescued a puppy. Beautiful puppy. My, uh, she's the, the like light of my doggy life. Type of she's a collie mm. crossed with. Yeah. Don't know what, but she's she's the most adorable thing, and um, and I grew up as as I just mentioned. I grew up on a cattle farm and always been a big meat eater. I had no problem about you know, yeah. I mean, I just well, I think what it is you is had no I, problem with killing and eating. Well, no, not killing, <laughs> not killing. I mean, this is the this this is why it just feels the penny had dropped because I didn't want to know how a bit of meat got onto my plate. Even though I grew up on a cattle farm, I didn't really want to think about it. And I'd always abhorred any form of animal cruelty. Uh, but I just didn't want to think about the, 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 the cruelty yeah. that animals go through in the slaughterhouses and the dairy industries. Um, no, I ignore that as well. Um, I think, think a lot of us do because we enjoy meat so much. Yes. We don't want to go there. But uh, after I got my, my dog and uh, clicking on Facebook links with puppies playing with piglets and stuff, mm-hmm. and oh, isn't that cute? And then I, oh, shit. <laughs> There really isn't any difference between a pig and, mm. and a puppy. Pigs, in many cases, are more intelligent. They're sentient as in they have emotions. They can feel happiness. They can feel fear. They can get feel sadness. Mm. Uh, they feel pain. And I just found myself... I remember the last time I ate pork and it got stuck in my mouth and I couldn't do it anymore. The penny had finally dropped that you know I was no longer asleep to it and I even though I mean I'm sure I could sit myself in front of these horrendous videos that show, show what goes on, on in slaughterhouses um, I don't need to know I know yeah. it's horrendous because um, I mean I, it would, it would traumatise me so that's that would happen you know about two or three months after I, I got my dog then I, I, I went um, vegetarian and then I'm trying to be vegan because also the, the dairy industry is actually uh, quite cruel as well um, but I do struggle with cheese. <laughs> I'm trying my best. I, otherwise, I have you know I have soy milk a, in my at least one vice. <laughs> I know. I mean, of course, I could put it. You know, I I I eat well. I I I train. I don't do drink or drugs. Um, I'm not acting out on my my love addiction. I maybe shop a bit too much sometimes, but you know I've got to have something. So a little <laughs> bit of cheese. I'm going to give myself a break, but I'm trying. Absolutely. And and I really do feel it's a spiritual. And it's part of it's part of my spiritual journey and my spiritual lifestyle is to be more conscious and more mindful of my immediate surroundings and do good unto others. And that for me that includes trying to to do good by, by all living beings. Yeah, I'm on. I'm a very I'm a relatively new what I call twat. Um, <laughs> so, so I tweet these days. And one of the people that I follow, and I'm so every time I look at his stuff, I think I must unfollow him because it makes me feel so guilty. It's about cruelty to animals, mm. but about eating meat. Mm. And every time I read his stuff, I think, oh God, I need to stop eating meat because mm. I can't look at this stuff. So the, the logical thing is just unfollow him, but mm. that will be 
such denial. So mm. I'm kind of caught. <laughs> I'm not aware of all this stuff and I can't just ignore it. Yes. I think I'm getting closer there. Yeah. Really I am. Yeah. Listen, Fiona, I'm going to end with my normal end question and are you happy? Oh, do you know, I haven't been... I have, <laughs> no, this what is do you mean? Great. No, 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 no. I don't think I've been asked that question in a long time, but I am very, very, very thrilled to answer that I am. Oh, cool. And I think this, this, this right now is the best space I've been ever in my entire life. And I've had moments and pockets of happiness and contentedness, and I don't expect this happiness to last. I think fulfillment is... Um, you know, and being content and being at peace with myself. I think serenity is more important than happiness. But, but right now, I'm 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 really really happy, and and I'm so grateful. You know, I've hit my six year milestone, knowing now that I can stay in Cape Town, which is where my my home is. Yes, I, that that was very uh, touch and go for a while, and I'm happy in my own skin. I'm single, uh, which I have been for a while. <coughs> but yes, men uh, out there, yeah. she is single. She is single. Well, the point is. <laughs> Oh, the thing is, I've been single a while, but, you know, but, and I've worked a lot on my love addiction, but I, I wasn't happy with being single for a very, very long time. Now I am. I'd rather be on my own than in the wrong relationship <laughs> with the wrong person, whereas before it was completely the other way around. I was, I'd rather be in a toxic relationship than yeah. be on my own. So, I'm, you know, I have my dog, I have my cats. Uh, you know, I, I have the fellowship. Moving into friends. your own house I in am. a few months' time. That I is am. so exciting. I'm so happy for you. So, no, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm so blessed. And I know it's, it's been a hell of a journey and I wouldn't wish addiction on anyone, but it's made me who I am and it's, you know, I, I, it's, it's all been worth it in the end. Yeah. Thank God. Well, if your high power is anything like mine, then she's now going to throw a man at you. Here's <laughs> <Just Just> hoping. <laughs> Fiona, thank you so, so much for coming. I really appreciate it. It was a lovely chat. I've been keeping my eye on the clock. I know you've got a sponsor later on, so um, let's get you home. Thank, thank you, you very so much. much Look after yourself. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm grateful to Fiona for spending this time with me. I love how she embraces the principles of the recovery program and allows these to guide her journey. She has truly come a long way in the past six years. I am very excited for her, for what the future holds and how she will grow into it. I wish her all of the best and hope to catch up with her at a later stage again. Thank you for listening. Well guys, this is it for this episode. Hope you enjoyed it and got something out of it. If you want to know more about what I do, please feel free to connect with me on my website, which is www.freddy.org.za or find me on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash freddy.org.za or on Twitter at at Rendsburg Freddy. Remember that Freddy is always spelt with an IE at the end. Be safe.